same old trouble Villains always knocking at the door Pretty pictures on the page But nothing ever stays the same Thank you, Vandello, and welcome once again to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta. Hey, K.A. Fallout Fieri. And with me, as always, is my octopus. This one I also saw coming. He was watching the whole time. <laughs> we was watching, boss. It's fair. And with us, as usual, is our femme fatale, the lovely and talented Ms. Jennifer Howland. Toilets are always funny. Right? Toilets are always funny. <laughs> Thank you, Bear. And it's my pleasure to introduce our guest. Today, we have Mark Potter with us. Thank you, and welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Mark, uh, the... This is your first time on Graphically Novel. We will be discussing The Spirit, which um, I remembered in my hazy memory in college as you recommending this movie to me. Um, maybe a little after college. Um, uh, probably a little after college. I think it came out in like 2008. Okay. Yeah. Well, I graduated in 2010. So, you know. Um, but you have, this is your first Graphically Novel production. So um, can you give us a little bit of your comic book history? So, uh my comic book history kind of starts with, uh, I mean, back in the 90s when when I was a wee lad. Um, Saturday morning cartoons, honestly. Uh, the X-Men cartoon and the Spider-Man cartoon that aired were, were really my introduction to comics. And I didn't actually get into reading comics until like around college age, uh, just virtue of having a, an excellent comic book store that was nearby and and had a good host that a uh, good owner that was really encouraging to expanding stuff and like I had always enjoyed a lot of the the translations the 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 cartoons the the movies and stuff like that and but I really dug deep in in college into the the comic books themselves um and so what are I, your what are your big comics what do you really enjoy the big ones I, I mean I'm, I'm definitely a, uh, more of a Marvel fan Spider-Man absolutely 100% the the my favorite hero followed uh, uh, Pretty decently by by Hulk. I I I love the. You should kind of tell you that I kind of love that that idea of of power and what you do with it and whether uh, you know, how, how do you control it, how do you <laughs> apply it. Yeah, we uh, uh in in researching um another uh, podcast that you'll be on for Secret Wars, I just showed Bear uh, a panel with Maestro and a bunch of hulks and he calls his hulk army the world breakers and all of them jump off of this ship all yelling smash <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna have to read that <laughs> I, I hear that's a, a completely messed up graphic novel but i i have to see this <laughs> awesome well um so today we're man we're we're going before dc before marvel we're going all the way back and in fact this may be one of the oldest this is older than charles adam um at least eisner is will eisner who is the grandfather of the modern graphic novel um tons of different uh different stories but the spirit definitely one of his uh most famous um just a very specific style just something that is replicated everywhere um so mark do you uh was this the first will eisner you had ever read yeah it, it was actually the first one from him that i hadn't really dug into and it's it's go ahead oh uh, i was just gonna say it was, it was it's definitely a ride it's definitely a unique take on on the format and the genre fair jen any experience with any other eisner uh, i don't think so, think so. Uh, <laughs> like we've read I mean, a lot and but i don't remember this name coming up before yeah I, I mean i recognize the name but i couldn't tell you why um and if we have not read it for the show then no yeah I have not read it. <laughs> yeah same yeah he, i mean he uh, probably 
probably recognize the name because of the Eisner Awards. Right, which is which is the, the graphic novel award. Because again, godfather of the mo- modern graphic novel. He So he did things like The Spirit, uh, especially in the 40s, into the 50s. Um, but then he, he was one of the first people to do long form storytelling. So he just released a graphic novel called A Contract with God that was basically like, it, it was an all-in-one, so it wasn't released in issues. It was just a graphic novel. Um, so he was one of the first ones to do that as well. Um, although they didn't call it, yeah, the, it was also the first to use the term graphic. Um, but this movie, uh, Bear, I'm gonna I'm gonna move to you because <laughs> you've been insisting. I, I have. I've been insisting pretty much since we started this podcast and before that that this was a movie that you needed to see. It's true. It's um, true. Also, if there's anybody out there that is uh, uh, still uh, vampire LARPing, uh, you need to watch this movie because you will see the um, the best and probably only real video depiction of a pack of blood brothers like true this is uh this is what i envision anytime anybody says starts talking about vampire larping and they start talking about you know sabat stuff i'm like oh let me tell you about the best pack of blood brothers i've ever seen it's in this movie it's called the spirit you need to watch it we was watching um it's the movie itself is just it i've been watching it probably i didn't see it in the theater but i kind of discovered it on netflix when netflix was still doing dvds and such um yes i'm that old uh, i'm sure they still are i don't know if anybody really does that anymore but um yeah, i kind of discovered it somewhere along there and i just kind of fell in love with it. it i mean how do you not it's samuel L. jackson you've got uh the cast is Charlie Johansson. Yes, yes. Johansson. Um, I can't even. Uh, Gabriel Sarah Mocked. Paulson. Yeah. What was that, Mark? Oh, I was just saying Gabriel Mocked. See, I didn't really recognize him um, from other things. Um, had, uh, he, had, I mean, he's been, he's kind of in and out. But the the other really prominent thing that he did was the, uh, the show Suits. Okay. See, I haven't seen that. Um, but yeah. I mean, Frank Miller shows up as himself. You have, uh, you you have. This is the time where like Eva Mendez was on yes. the rise. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't remember seeing her in much stuff more recently, but like this era is why I know her name. Yeah. Um. Well, she was involved in a lot of kind of comic books movies, wasn't she? She was in Three Hundred too, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Yeah. Okay. Well, that well, this is also Frank Miller. So right. yeah, Frank Miller was the was the um, writer artist. Yeah, of Three Hundred and um, Sin City, and then this was his. Uh, interpretation of one of the the original noir mm-hmm. um you know comics which we'll talk a little bit about the script uh the the uh, comic but just to know it was a strip um so much like charles adams when we discussed the adams family i mean we can't really talk about a specific plot but we can definitely say we the one that we read for this is called femme fatales um i also had one that was like an 80th anniversary um that came out recently um i know mark has a pop-up book that he found <laughs> well i, I want to point out in in the preface of the the graphic novel that we read it talked about how it was considered a strip but it wasn't traditionally what you would think of as a strip it was an insert right yeah, um, i actually read the, about it in the 80th anniversary collection um yeah. go ahead yeah no so it was an insert it was actually like a proper like comic book insert into the sunday paper oh that's that's cool i i missed that i didn't read the forewords i just kind of jumped in uh-huh yeah, <laughs> yeah it was 
it was like seven pages of actual like comic book. Yeah, I mean, it was like- And that expanded out to like 16 pages by the end of the run. Yeah, but so it was not quite as robust as a comic book issue. Right. But um, but that was the format in which it was presented, which was like a comic. I was kind of surprised at how, just reading through it, how, um, how dense the text was. Mm. in pretty much every we'll call it episode mm-hmm. um every every issue um there's just there's a lot of talking going on there's a lot of there's a lot of action going on um it's you rarely have a panel that isn't busy doing something mm-hmm. so the other weird kind of uh, part of this is this comic was at the same time a product of its time and and, in places very, very racist. Absolutely. But surprisingly forward-thinking, specifically when it came to the female characters. Yes. Um, Which is is reflected in the movie because the the villain that escapes is uh, is Scarlett Johansson's character. It's it's Floss. I mean, that's perfect, you know? Um, And and I mean, even even the... uh... The chief at one point, just after Morgan Stern breaks out this comically oversized gun, yeah, kind of just goes and, and looks and is, is every goddamn woman in this goddamn city out of their goddamn minds? <laughs> right, and I mean, and and it does reflect the comic because again, you know, you start in the forties and you go through. Um, it wasn't in what we read, but uh, in my research, I found out. That there was a character in the 40s called Ebony White, who was basically the African American uh, Jim Crow era character um, with full lips and everything else that that era kind of would do. So, I mean, not not a perfect history by any means but, but was ebony white a woman or a man a man okay. yeah it was an african-american man and in fact you can see right here though. <laughs> yeah he pops up in several oh, no that's blackface yeah oh yeah yeah it's and I mean, he is literally, he's dressed like you would see like uh, a carnival, um, like a carnival barker with his like accordion and, and his monkey dancing. He is dressed like the monkey. Um, all yeah. of his, all of the text for his speech is written as if, as if some really, well, as, as if some Caucasian is trying to write out what English would sound like yeah. coming out of a black man's mouth in that era. Like everything's really just, just you know, I mean, and it's- yeah. It's massa and you know it's yeah. And he does. And, call and I mean, I, it's definitely. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just just gonna say. I mean, it's definitely good to call out that kind of racist depiction. Um, because I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's a racist depiction. Um, but it's also not unique. I mean, if you look at like right, Mar- even like Marvel's history, like oh, absolutely. Eggman. Like early early Luke Cage was written by a black man, uh, or was written by a white man. Um, you know, and and was basically trying to jump into to black exploitation and get some of that that money uh yeah there there it's just something that i wanted to make sure to call out because if people are interested in this there there are you know it's it's supernatural dick tracy is the best way to explain the spirit because the spirit himself is supernatural but the situations he runs into generally are not and did this was it written i think this was written before dick tracy wasn't it? i didn't get the time to actually research that oh. uh i think it's contemporary because at least one of the collect one of the stories written in the in the 80th collection um has it references nick stacy another comic book character all right yeah no uh man do you want to get sued yeah <laughs> the shit um 
Dick Tracy started in 1931, so nine years before the spirit. Oh, okay. Well, and I have to tell Another you. Another possible future. One episode. of the reasons that I kind of drug my feet about doing this on the mm. show was I was like, oh God, it's like Dick Tracy. I grew up reading Dick, Dick Tracy. And then when in the, was it the 90s when they made the movie? With, yeah. Uh, with Madonna uh-huh. and whatever. And I was Warren like, Beatty. Like, Warren Beatty, yeah. Uh, God, no. Walnuts is good for the liver. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, it's good for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I was like, oh, I don't want to see this movie. You were grinding your teeth because you thought I was going to show you shit. It was, well, but, but you know how much he loves Dick Tracy, the Dick Tracy movie. Mm. So I was like, well, this is probably going to be something that Josh really likes. And I was just like, oh, hell no, I love this shit. <laughs> I mean, first of all, Samuel L. Jackson is right? the villain. How can you go wrong? Well, I mean, it's, I and I swear, like, I, you know, there, there's some potentially apocryphal stories about like Jim Carrey's movies have some points in the script where it just says Jim Carrey proceeds to act like Jim Carrey. Yes. Or Robin Williams was famous for improvising. I and I feel like almost this was almost they told Samuel L. Jackson to go full Samuel L. Jackson to just turn it up to 11, be as completely nuts, unhinged, overly energetic as they pos- as he possibly could be. And he did it. That's just damn weird. But I, but I think that that's probably true. But I also recognize that Samuel L. Jackson is a huge nerd and he loves comics and would know, like, if you look at his character here, and then the like Unbreakable Glass, those movies, he knows how to be that over the top right. villain. Like, well, we, we just discussed yeah. him in the American version of Old Boy. Yes. Same thing. Yeah. You know, and and I think on that on that episode, we also talked about uh you can tell when Samuel L. Jackson is really just enjoying himself. Like there's Samuel L. Jackson, the very serious actor, and he has some awesome roles where he is taking it seriously and he's like, we're sticking to the subject we're doing. And then there's the movies where he's like, oh yeah? I get to have fun? Yeah. Hell yeah. Snakes on a Plane, right. Pong Skull Island, Yeah. this, you know, like it, it, it's a... Oh, uh, Kingsman. Yeah, yeah, Kingsman. I actually, oh. yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up Kingsman like later when we talked about, a bit more about the movie because there's a lot of visual similarities of of some of the over the top graphic violence that's depicted. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, although I will say Kingsman is gorier with it, whereas the spirit just by the very nature of the of the black and white yeah, that the they're black doing and white definitely yeah. gives you the more. Uh, yeah. in your own mind right um, well i mean yeah and it, uh i mean and the big thing like it's made by it's the got the frank miller like you said and just it so it has that high, that really hyper stylized black and white um and black and so it's kind of yes yeah and then but then it, it like and of course kingsman is in full vivid living color yes right but a lot of like the explosions and some of the 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 limb cutoffs and things like that are kind of i mean it's it's definitely frank miller style but it's also yeah. reminiscent like Kingsman almost kind of harkens back to that same style. Yeah, yeah, Even definitely. Enhanced, color corrected, you can practically taste the brain matter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, and obviously Kingsman also came later. Um, 
Kingsman was 2014 was the first one with the very famous church scene um which yeah now now that I'm thinking about it it's a really good point Mark because I'm thinking if the church scene was done in black and white and red well I mean because that's important that's that well, very Frank the, Miller just the highlight because just the, yeah. you do that in Sin City too right. sometimes it's not black white and red sometimes it's black white and you know the blue of her eyes or right you know right. or the yellow yeah right yeah. and and Sin City or uh and uh the spirit does the same thing of like when he falls into the river of the the, the blue fish everything with Lorelai has that right white and the, the specks of blue and that very bright and then of course like you know, Jen says the 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 red on his tie. Right. Well, it's, and, it's always that one color that stands out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the characters that are in um in the movie, I was actually really surprised for something that's that in 2008 probably wasn't as well known. Um, and they put it out. You, you might also be tempted, as we've seen in other things, to kind of either make up characters whole cloth to add to the to the world or, you know, do something really outside of what the comic would do. All of these characters are in the comic. Octopus in the comic, uh, you know, uh, Plaster Paris yep. in the comic, Sloss, Sans Serif, like all these people are pulling specifically from the source material. And that's awesome. It's an awesome way to kind of showcase them. Um, and I really like that they kept those characters and those those very, very unique names. Yeah. Because like that's that obviously that's part of the spirits world, the part of the part of Will Eisner's style, but it's also harkening back to just the noir general genre in general. But also if you look even further back, radio dramas, the the melodramas where where every character has an alliterative name or or something that's just off of being a, a straight up pun like Santa Sarah. Right. Right. I mean, and and I mean, obviously there's a there's a deeper rogues gallery for the spirit that wasn't in the movie. And, and looking into it, I'm like, there was uh probably my favorite was Hazel P. Macbeth, who's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, and, and she has a Shakespearean motif, so she only speaks in iambic pentameter. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> That's <All right>. amazing. <laughs> Uh, we're getting exercises right or there's, like, right, there's, or there's the, the uh arson pyre arson pyre yep the 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 most literally named villain i have ever heard because his name is literally arson and he sets things on fire right yeah uh darling o'shea who is the richest and most spoiled uh person in the world it, it really makes you step back and go you know maybe marvel isn't so bad with their teleporter named telford porter that's right oh my god yeah, well, it's kind of a yeah. long storied history. Yes, it's just going back to the roots of, yes. of comic. Yeah. Well, yeah, and alliteration has always been. Uh, I mean, you look at DC. Alliteration is fucking cool. Clark Kent, Lois Lane, Peter Parker, yeah. Yeah. J. Jonah Jameson. You know, Bruce Banner, Bruce Wilson. I mean, just Bruce Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it thanks just Marvel. Yeah, well, thanks Marvel, thanks DC. Uh, Dick Tracy did it to a to a point um, with real names, but Dick Tracy didn't have that many real names. Like Pruneface was just Pruneface. Mm -hmm. You never really found out Pruneface's yes. real name because who cares? Because uh, Pruneface. Because Pruneface. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially the older comics like Dick Tracy and and the Spirit, the the villains didn't really exist outside of their villainous roles. It's not like a lot of our more modern stuff we have these really deep uh story backstories of of villains that make them sympathetic or explain why they're wanting to rule slash destroy the world 
Right, or make and them scarier. So that yeah. we can identify with them. We can see, we can see, yeah, either to make them scarier or to make them sympathetic, like yeah. Black Panther, the mo- the movie of Black Panther is a really great example of... Oh, yeah. Killmonger, really, yeah. the villain was right, he just was doing it the wrong way. Right. Uh, but in the in the old school comics, the bad guys were just bad guys. They, were, they w- didn't exist outside of being a foil to the hero and let it being someone for the hero to beat and be victorious and, and show that good will always triumph because, you know, good is, is the, is what's good for the world. Right. It, well, and we touched on that a little bit in our justice league episode because Kat, Esmond talked about how the reason that she is a DC fan is every once in a while you just want to read something and know that the good guy's going to win. Like, there's no shades of gray. There's no, like, oh, you know. Am I doing the right thing? It's it's, there are good guys, there are bad guys, and the good guys win after a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, no, I mean, I can absolutely empathize with that because I'm the same way because sometimes you just you want the good guys to be good and you want the bad guys to be bad and you want the good guys to win right I mean we're we're our in our house generally that's less the comic books we read and more the shows that we watch like we watched two episodes of the nevers yesterday and I was like okay I need something a little lighter you know and I started going through and I was like oh yeah we haven't watched more of pose and I'm like that is not light mm-hmm. like <laughs> well and that's the the other thing is that we have a tendency to gravitate towards shows that may on the surface appear to be, you know, lighthearted nothing burgers as far as intellectual property, but like The Nevers, it's talking about women's rights. It's talking about uh, British white male patriarchy and, and imperialism and, you know, and it's not shying away from it. And it's not, you know, it's it's getting right to the heart of it. So yeah, it was not it was not the easy like, oh, let's watch the show, this kind of crazy show about people having weird powers. Oh shit, this is pretty serious. <laughs> then we watched a super villain host Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Elon Musk was on last night. Uh and again, so actually, we'll get uh, into the you know the philosophical debate. You know, the the right versus wrong. He's got a you know we've got electric cars, but is he really people, a good guy? <laughs> there are people who believe he is going that he is the savior of our planet. Well, the the people thought yeah. the same thing about Trump, and look where it got us. <laughs> yeah, but they think this way not because of how he intends to do things. It's his contribution to society. Well, well people thought the same thing about Bill Gates. So and, you know, he started off as a thief so bring it back mark so yeah bringing it back so something that jen said about the the like the nevers telling a story about like women's rights and, and the the british male patriarchy will eisner really specialized in that as well back when when he was writing the spirit and all, all of his other comics they talked about it briefly in one of the forwards on um in that 80th anniversary edition that um um, every story could see to have some kind of deeper meaning. Yes, they were entertaining detective stories, but like one of his stories, he he throws in a bunch of product placement for this fake hair tonic that he made up that was kind of criticizing the, the commercialization of media about how commercials were appearing into everything and more and more and more. And right. I mean, you look at you look at modern TV, like before, before the advent of streaming uh, and you get a 30 minute time slot, but a 22 minute episode which means about a, that nearly a third of that was dedicated to commercials and product placement right absolutely and, and i feel like the streaming services that have commercials it's more than that it kind of depends yeah because like, well because who does that they didn't used to be as bad you yeah. maybe got you maybe got 
five minutes, if that, of commercials, but now it's getting worse. Like, I feel, I'm trying to remember, what were we watching, Josh, that it was like, in the beginning, you watched like 10 minutes of the show, and then they did like maybe a 90 seconds of commercial. Yeah, it was like And three, then it like was like seconds, seven yeah. minutes of show. It's because it was... Uh, 90 minutes of commercial, or 90 seconds of commercials. It's because yeah. we were watching it on a free service. I, I it, it was so bad. Welcome, Pluto. I know the CW... The CW app was really egregious about it. Uh, oh, well, the CW app is horrible because it plays the same commercial five times in a row. Yeah. But then, uh, but Crackle does stuff like Crackle. Too. I think it was Crackle. I think yeah. it was on Crackle. But it was so bad because it was it was time and, you know, there was no consideration given to where the show stopped. Oh, yeah. You'd be right in the middle started, of a sentence. Right in the middle of a word. Yeah. And I was... It, I yeah. Was, I mean, at least, with, at least with, like, the shows we grew up with, the 90s and stuff, they had deliberate commercial breaks and then it would cut at that point right you get the commercial it would come back and you know pick up it, it would, they would yeah, the shows were written like for a commercial break mm, like you literally right. had yeah it's kind of like watching um the masked singer if, if yeah if i wasn't streaming the masked singer i would never be able to watch the masked singer like yeah because yeah. it's always like come back after you know, yeah, right who, back. Is, who is this person that we're going to reveal we'll find out right after this. This. yeah after these messages we'll be right back <laughs> Uh, thank you for aging me like 40 years just with that. You're welcome. That's, that's what I'm good at. I'm even older than you, so. <laughs> Bear's older than all of us. I mean. Gentle, I'm, I'm gentle older, older than all of us. I'm older than all. Shh, Janet's not older than all of us. <laughs> I am ancient. <laughs> okay, I well, am if you want to go that route. Ever present. I, I was, I was going to be the one that's just like, no, she's not older than us. But. All right, so bringing you back. Again. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things I actually wanted to talk about was the, the, the setting for this movie yeah, and just how genius I think I feel it is because it does the 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 black and white and color splash that is kind of Frank Miller style and is is very evocative of that noir thing and of course the clothes and the buildings are all very much built in that noir aesthetic of the it looks like the 40s but then you look at the technology that they're using yeah and they're right. I mean they're cell phones flip phones like that show that can flip open to show video and stuff like that uh there's laptops and all of that and i love that personally yes. because it shows that noir isn't a time period it's 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 its own genre it's that is yeah. evocative of that time period but not beholden to it well yeah and that's what the that's what the millennials are going to be thinking of us here you know in another like 20 years is how, yeah. <laughs> how we did things well the millennials think of us that way right now because they're in their 30s i uh, I really liked the movie. I, and, and we the being setting. a millennial. <laughs> um, but I, I really liked the movie and the setting because uh, being from Chicago, it really felt like Chicago, but also from, because if you know, if you know geography of Chicago, Chicago is basically, it just sits on top of Indiana. And Indiana <laughs> was like the gross swampy areas in the movie. And then the building, <laughs> <laughs> were like Chicago. You you shake your head and laugh, but I will take you to these places. 
<laughs> and show you. You've already taken me to Indiana once. No, I. Indiana. Yeah, well, that's not that's not the the. I, no, I've been to Indiana thing. once, and I agree with her. Well, I, we, uh, I grew up in Indiana, and I agree with her. <laughs> Thank you. We apologize to our Indiana listeners who, for some reason, have not escaped Indiana. <laughs> well, but Southern Indiana, like near Kentucky, is very. I like it there. Okay. Oh no, it's it's beautiful country down there. And that's where I grew up. Everybody that lives in Valpo loves Valpo. But getting back to the the style, I, I completely agree. Like this more than I think anything else that I've watched shows that noir can be a modern genre um, because yeah, like the computers in the police station or the the cell phones, all those things, they didn't take me out of the movie because yeah. they were so fully integrated into yes. my experience that they didn't seem out of place. Which was awesome. Well, I mean, it's, it's nothing else. They they didn't do this like going back to '90s cartoons. The the Batman the animated series had this weird mix of anachronistic uh, anachronistic technology because they were using Tommy guns, but also personal computers and and all zeppelins were in the air. That, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Like the police had zeppelins, right? To to help search for criminals. It was this weird hodgepodge mish, mishmash of different technological levels. Like, which I mean, watching that as a kid. I didn't notice. I didn't care at all. Just it looked cool, and that was enough for me. Right. But the spirit definitely, very clearly, takes place in a modern noir setting. Right. When you're in the hospital, you can see in the background that they're, you know, modern for the time. You know, uh, machines and there's computers around, and there's but it's not. It's never like it's never really any, anything in the foreground. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's with not, the exception of the one time where they open the cell phone. Right. Yeah. When Morgan Stern shows sure. up, pops up and shows the video of, of Sand going, "I hate cops." Right. Um. You know, and even even when they're being interviewed when they're kids, it the whole kids thing seems like they're in the forties up until that reporter walks up with a microphone and a camera behind him. Yeah. And he has you the know? very like nine. It's it's essentially like a nine. 90s camera yeah which but you know considering the movie came then, out but then, but then, for them being yeah, kids it's the costuming it's the clothing yeah, yeah. That, even in the modern day of the movie the clothing is very you know well i mean men's clothing hasn't changed that much in 100 150 years right so you know it's easy to to skew the feeling but the the clothing of the women was much more of a 40s 50s feel very much so than, than a modern day feel right even though they had the the you know so i think that they did a lot with costume but they also did it in a way not where it was like why would someone in 2008 wear that there was i never got that feeling at all right because it was stylized enough that you yeah. were like that's completely something i might see someone wearing yeah especially yes. especially silken floss and uh yes. sam Steraf. Their styles. When you see sand pop up on the the copier, yeah, and uh, and you know you get the you get the photocopy that she pulled, and that is obviously a very modern oh yeah copy yeah, machine, yeah. you know yeah, and not not detracted from at all. You're actually just sitting there looking at her dress, going, yeah, no, I, I get this thing. But the rest of the office is your typical noir like crime scene, bare bones, bare yeah. bones, yeah. Bare, yeah. like huge big big windows with stark lighting. Yeah, gargantuan space with a single desk and a copier. Like, you know, you have to walk across 
nothing yeah. for 30 seconds but before you get the office of the art dealer yeah yeah okay well that makes sense then because a gallery would be a big open space yeah. right but but that's the same way in in other yeah. areas sure. um in, in just about everything like there's gargantuan amounts of space and very little furnishings which is a very it depicts a very noir yeah. um you know kind of aesthetic the, the only there were two instances <laughs> of costuming that made me go what the fuck are they doing and it was all in the same scene, actually. It was the Nazi uniform and Harris of Plaster's belly dancing outfit. That's what she, that she's an assassin that dresses. She's a French assassin yep. that dresses as a belly dancer. Yeah. That was the only time that I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, the, the, Nazi, the Nazi imagery and stuff, that was definitely a little out of place. Yeah, it, it kind of seemed like it, it. I mean, back yeah. in two thousand eight, it was it was still the era of if you make your villains Nazis, then of course everyone's going to hate them. You know, I I have to say though, it to me that wasn't taking me out, and that wasn't like talking. It was funny because it's a black man right. dressed as a Nazi, yes. yeah, and and with the barest knowledge of Nazi culture, you're like, ha, they murder you. Right. Like, well, I'm not saying that it like took me out of the mo. It just made me. It was like I was like. I don't understand at this point in the movie why we're why what why why are we bringing Nazis? Is this because he's into genetic research? Because I mean, we're so over the top. Yeah, is really like I, think it's, I honestly I think it was more of an ideology. Like I'm going to rule the world, and like right. I'm like taking ideas from here, and I need regiment. I need well. I know. didn't even see it as ideology. To me, it was it was parody, and yes. it was it was parody to the point of uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah, like it was. Well, like, I mean, and okay, I was going to say. Well, I mean, if you look at the the era of the original comic, like the it it started in what thirty nine. 40, said, yeah. Josh? 1940. 40. So at the at the inception of this comic, I mean, of course, a lot of the bad guys are going to be Nazis because the bad guys of the United States were Nazis, especially in those in that first right. decade of this comic. So right. that I, I admittedly I didn't find any comics where the spirit is fighting Nazis, but I didn't do that deep of a dive into the his, the 80 year history of this comic. Well, and I didn't. But I'm like, sure it happened. I'm like, okay, so my point was not that it took me out of the moment. It it was, you know, it fine. They used it, whatever. But I can see the connections, you know, how Nazis were always like about the supernatural. They were about mm -hmm. like, you know, so the octopus is trying to be a god. Mm -hmm. That is completely in line with what we know the Nazis were trying to do, or at least in, you know, our retelling in fiction, right. that's how we, we mm. place the Nazis, that they were all about like, I just off the top of my head, I can think of five different storylines, completely different storylines in different movies. Hellboy, Indiana Hellboy. Jones, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, just, let's just keep yeah, random yeah, lines, you know? Seven. So, I get that, but why would, because that was like a stunning reveal in the movie. Like, there was no indication of that anywhere at all. And then all of a sudden, it's like, giant Nazi flag, and eagle, and and everybody's in uniform and it's like I think it's that um, if you're if you're looking at the scenes in which specifically octopus and uh, and flock show up, mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're all themed. Very, yeah, they're all very themed. They're themed. Okay. So I think that's just another the villain theme. Okay. 
because they do the mad scientist nurse thing. They yes. do the Nazi. They, they do, do the samurai. They do the samurai. Okay. You know, so it's just, the, the idea is that they're just hopping genres. That I can buy. I think they're every, looking, yeah. uh, every, looking for the imperial. You're, no, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Every yeah. scene that they're in that it's that it's, it's octopus scene. and silk and floss is yes. a different villain right. genre. It was just that the Nazi one was so like in your face. You right. know, the others I, were a bit more subtle. I, that one was so I don't know. I didn't I don't know that I'd call the samurai one subtle. Yeah. 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 Personally for me, it I, was much more subtle than like the the opening of that one was the giant Nazi flag. Right. That but, was, you know, the samurai one, yeah, they're all dressed like this and their swords and okay, yeah, we're gonna do that. I think it's that there are three parts to it. Samuel yeah, Jackson yeah, shows up, up in the morning. <laughs> Yes, Daniel Jackson shows up in an outfit. Silk and Floss shows up in an outfit that then is completing kind of what you're doing. And one of the the clones is killed in the scene in the like fitting style. the style yes. of the genre yes. because the the clone has the Iron Eagle fall on him. Yes. Oh, I forgot right. about that completely. Yes. No, Samuel Jackson had the Iron Eagle fall on him. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I literally watched this movie this morning, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I know there was a clone that died there somewhere too, though. Yeah, right. there was, it was earlier in the scene. I think it was like near the beginning of the scene. But the samurai yeah. one, I love that when they're like, I, I think hentai is appropriate. And the, and this clone is like, okay. And then he's like, this doesn't take I think, I think you mean seppuku. Yeah, no, they, oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, did you say hentai? That's why hentai is very yes. different. Very Although very he is the octopus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does have eight of everything. That's true. Okay, so... <laughs> Did you spend your weekend? All right, so moving on from that Freudian slip. Personally, for me, I want to, if I ever had the chance to meet Samuel L. Jackson, I want to sit down and ask him, I'm like, what did it feel like to put on a Nazi uniform and do this? Were you you actually in it? Was that CGI'd? Like, what what did that feel like? I I just want to get his feelings on it. And like, out of all the movies that you could talk to Samuel L. Jackson about, I'll be like, this is this is where I want to, you know, get your insight. Have I told the Nazi LARPer story on this show? Yes. When I was in LA, Maybe somebody probably. showed up in a full yeah, SS like Nazi uniform Ooh. to play their new character, which was a Nazi premiere. Did they realize? Did they? We have also played in public. Full understanding. We of played. Was, yeah. We played in an industrial park in uh in. Uh, the Los Angeles area, just in a, in a, in the outdoors. Well, at least it wasn't San Francisco. Well. But the best part of that was that I was also debuting a new character, and he was British. <laughs> so, and the prince was an NPC that was French. And uh, the I prince, don't think we've talked about this on the show. The prince demanded that the guy basically take off his uniform in his port. While also, because it was an NPC, it was the ST, who went out of character and went, no, you cannot wear that. I'm sorry. Go to your car or wherever. That is not take the that character off. that you bring right. in without first no. discussing it with the entire ST staff. Right. And bringing it up in like in conversation in the group of, hey, I'm going to do this. Right. Unless it seriously bothers somebody. Right. But then, then well, it came he's to... he's dressing as a Nazi. Do you think he fucking cares? Right. Probably not. But then it came to me. I mean, yeah. Which is like... And the prince is like, and who are you? And I'm like, Lord John Marbury, your grace of the allied nations. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's talking to Samuel Dyson. I think, I think like Watson made a good point of 
the like that whole thing was a giant parody like yeah. every everything that octopus was doing was was either a character or a parody of some kind of villainous trope yeah of you failed so now you have to kill yourself you or or right. evil scientist i'm a geneticist so i'm a nazi therefore yeah. you know i'm genetic superiority blah blah blah, blah all of that so i think any opportunity to any opportunity that we have to make fun of nazis is one we should probably take yeah fair absolutely fair and again having a black man especially one that's going as balls to the fucking wall as samuel yeah. jackson yeah. is in this movie yes. hey sam you want to you want to make fun of nazis <laughs> When you said I would ask Sam Jackson about that, yeah. that was my thought. It was like, do you want to make Nazis look ridiculous? When don't I want to make yeah. Nazis <laughs> look ridiculous? Right. So I, I just feel like that would be, I don't want to obviously put words in anyone's mouth, but that's my so, feeling. Yes, but I want to see, I want to see that reaction. I'd be like, yeah. you saw that movie. <laughs> you... Yeah, let me tell you about that movie. That's yeah, what I right. want to hear him say. Okay, so we just want to hang out. With so yeah. on that, on the subject of that particular scene, um, right, the, that particular scene was really the one that that I think that Frank Miller his his penchant for certain things really shone shine through on that because like the 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 dissolving cat yeah. or you know talking talking like the, the casual discussion of, of uh cruelty to dogs and then the, the melting cat where you yes the cat melts off screen but then it just pops out and, and you see the eyes rolling around in the dentist tray right. yeah that's very frank miller well also like they're they've established that the spirit is the crazy cat lady yeah he's really his house yeah. is filled with cats, so he yeah. has an affinity well, I mean, and that makes sense too. Well, I mean, yes, the whole mythology of the nine lives, the whole, yeah, I mean, there are lots the, of. And also, well, and also the whole them. Egyptian connection to Bast and the, yes. and, you know, yep. perils of death and things like that. Exactly. So, um, one of the other things, just we mentioned, uh, Sans Serif leaving her butt print, uh, copied. I, I just ran across this in, in the IMDb trivia, but I seem to now remember it. Um, that was an homage to early Frank Miller, um, Daredevil run, mm -hmm. where Elektra does the same thing, mm -hmm. and Daredevil says to her, you shouldn't have signed it. <laughs> so, like, that whole cloth yeah. is taken into the yeah. spirit from Daredevil. Yes. Which, I, it's Frank Miller, so I can't say I'm surprised. Right. But just also, Ava Mendes's uh, delivery of the, you made a perfect ass of yourself, pulls up the butt print and then looks at it and then just goes, a perfect ass staring at her own butt print and then before she tosses it aside in the garbage yeah but the thing that it's i just... also i i found it amusing that the spirit comes in he hasn't seen fan seraph since she was a teenager right and yet knows <laughs> that that is a, a a copy of her ass well i mean they had already established Some guys that she just had pay there. attention yeah you know asses change and i, I mean i, I know mine has mine too uh <laughs> But I, I, I think because Samuel Jackson is doing such an over-the-top in this, you don't really notice, unless you're really sitting down and analyzing it like we are, that everything in this movie is over-the-top. Yeah. I remember when we finished watching this movie, the first time you actually sat down and watched it with me. And it's finally like, no, we're, we're watching this damn movie. And I wasn't here. You weren't here. I'm sorry. doing homework. Yeah, you, you ran off after we just recorded another episode. I, know, I, had, I had homework. Homework. But 
that the the first thing out of your mouth was this movie was almost up its own ass. Almost. It was so close and it just stayed. It just stayed at the level. top. It yep. just stayed at the top. It just they, tickled its own ass. They <laughs> they really tap danced on that line. And but I just I love like he like I mean, like you said, everything about this is, is over the top. Every, like the the scenes with Lorelei, the, the scene at the end where Sand comes in with the golden fleece and, and is running in slow-mo. Um, I also love when you realize honestly the guy who plays Chief Do- uh, Dolan, yes, yes. Kevin's the father, Kevin's the father from uh, the, the Wonder Years, mm-hmm. the yes, the... Kevin's father from the Wonder Years. But like the just the 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 emotion, the feeling, the the absolute straight faced enthusiasm that, that, that they deliver these noir lines that you'd expect out of some 1940s Humphrey Bogart level you know movie, and they just say all of it exactly in tone as that you'd expect from those kinds of movies. And it's just, everyone is is 100% committed to it. Right. I think also it's interesting because um, each of these characters are like a caricature of that type, but then they get... The movie gives them more depth. Yes. Like the commissioner, you're like, oh, he's the commi- he's the guy he who yells the, at everybody. Yeah, he is but the archetypical. He, but then he yeah. has more depth. Yeah, there is a reason behind. The, you know, when you learn more about the, the 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 relationships in the movie, right? Especially that Dolan was the first one to know. Yes who the spirit was. Yeah. It, it's such a cool reveal. It's yes. such a cool little piece of... Well, and it's, well, and it's also, I mean, then that's straight yeah. out of the comics too. Right, yeah. it's also canon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they 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 changed the, a little bit of like the history uh, or like the the formation of the spirit because like apparently he's it was because he was shot and then it was he fell into this suspended animation fluid that someone was going to release to take over the city. Yeah, Doctor Cobra. Yeah, yeah, but they they condensed it into just making it the octopus. But even right. even in that original in the original like origin story, Doctor Cobra even mentioned I'll team up with the world's greatest criminal, the octopus. Right. Yeah, and I don't remember was Morgan Stern. Yeah. Morgan Stern. Was Morgan Stern in uh, in the comic? I don't remember running into her. I didn't run into her, but at the same time, if she was a relatively minor character that they then just kind of brought in. Right. And well, it, and I also... I mean, look at, like, the Arrow like the the CW series um Felicity Smoke is a token character that gets named in like one issue right right that is then elevated um it's, well also like the comic book had a penchant for actually killing people off yeah because in the the graphic novel that we read in Femme Fatales like the very first issue you have oh, what was her name black was it black widow was it okay it was black something um the the yeah and I don't have it handy either I'm like where's the graphic novel <laughs> But the first one, like, she dies at the end of the episode. Right. At the end of the yeah. issue, the run, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they don't they don't have a problem with actually killing people in the comic. Right, right. Um just, Which honestly it, makes it even more interesting to see, like the the fact that I like Joshua Josh uh, mentioned that I have a pop up novel. Yeah. Which is kind of I mean like the just for all of us kind of that pop up the pop up storybook kind of thing just is intrinsically somehow a four kids thing. But like this the spirit itself dealt with some very adult themes. And I mean yeah maybe it's a like you know like we discussed at the beginning of this of this episode a product of its time where they didn't shy away from stuff like that in kids in kids oriented stuff. But at the same time, the spirit was always oriented towards a more adult audience than most comic strips. Right. And this this uh, comic um, actually turned out to be one of the, those weird cases where it's easier to find 
print media of it than it is to find digital at this point. Um, because I found the 80th anniversary digitally, but found Femme Fatale. Uh, and actually, there were a few others. Like, I could have picked up the 80th anniversary. I found it later, but I had already bought Femme Fatale and given it to Bear. Um, but at the same time, we got the idea of the comic, yeah. you know, yeah. from, from yeah, flipping yeah. through it. It wasn't like we all had to read the same, the same yeah, I, comic. I jumped around a lot. I mainly well, had I mean, because there were so with, many, like, the graphics movie long it went um like it was 200 and some odd pages i think yeah and so i basically just went okay I, I don't have time to read all this let's just let's hit the the highlights of the characters that are in the movie uh let's read a couple other things just for reference and move on sorry i stepped on you mark what were you what were you trying to say oh i was gonna say like like uh i mean this movie doesn't really adapt any one storyline in particular mm-hmm. right it does definitely take elements from a few of them like uh the whole storyline with sans serif minus the golden fleece is, is kind of covered in the in the pop-up book that I have and it's covered in the and it's there's a, there are specific ones where she pops up in the in the comics uh right. she's even her... referenced in uh in like the Wikipedia or the uh in, in all the other things as she is canonically the spirit's childhood friend yeah uh that that turns to a life of crime um well and I I just feel like for a lot of the movie adaptations we've seen from graphic novels this one was done really well I mean, it took part to make a cohesive story for the the medium. Yeah, you and know? for a modern audience. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another interesting thing with this is they talk, like, every time that Morgan Stern is in a scene or something or gets, pops up, they always mention that she's going to make detectives real quick. Yes. And then she did, less than a year later. Right, when she started on Castle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I love those little nods and, and, you know, just the things that, that um, I don't know. Like, this is almost like Sin City 1.5 because this was done between Sin City 1 and 2, um, which I'm avoiding a lot of that because we have an entire episode on Sin City and 300 coming up. Yeah, right, but at the same time, it's it's impossible not to draw those parallels because a lot of it is done in the same style. Right. Well, I agree, no. but I think yeah. that, to be honest... I think that the spirit is much more accessible than Sin City. Like, Sin City... Oh, I'm putting a pin in this, and we will come back to it when we watch Sin City uh, again. Watched, yeah, okay. I was going to say, I've seen Sin City. Right. But I, I think that... I think the spirit is a much more accessible, like, okay, it was the 90s, and yeah, Sin City hit all of the thing, the weird shit that people wanted to associate with. But I feel like the spirit well, was more digestible than Sin City. And I think a big part of that is the is the nature of the stories, because... Yeah. The spirit yeah. is at its core a noir detective story, and yes, there's a lot of the weirdness and the supernatural elements and things like that. But it's still a detective story, right? Whereas Sin City is the the epitome of the dark, gritty, seedy yeah. underbelly of blah 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 blah, blah, blah that is gray. yeah. Right. Well, it's also an anthology movie, yeah. yeah. So you're not following one character through, yes. And it's not '90s; it was 2005. Okay, whatever. It still felt '90s. Um, but when was the when was the book published? Uh, Sin City the comic we should know this yeah this was this was an abandoned well, episode from like a couple seasons the other thing i'd like to bring up about the spirit the movie was um the spirit being such a womanizer quotes air quotes, air quotes womanizer. because when you saw his interaction with women it what he was not being a womanizer he was appreciative of women but the still women, respectful 
But the yeah. women, like for whatever reason, there was something about, and maybe it was the whole thing that kept him from dying, but women just like- Threw themselves, threw themselves literally at him. Yeah. Yeah. Or they were just like, oh, like there was something there that he was not doing and that women do not do to men normally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, and I mean, to that point, like you said, he's, he's, he never goes out of his way to be like, what's up? Yeah. How you and like, like, even like the reporter is the big is the big one. And, and of, of the, what do you have to say to the women? You know, we hang on your every word. She's already coming on to it. Right. So I I saw him and and the way he reacted to women as like, how do you think you would react if every woman you talked to was like, oh, you're awesome. Right. You'd be like, cool. Yeah. Know, great that you think that. So. She would respond positively. Mm. You wouldn't be like, "No, I got a girl." You wouldn't be like, "Back off, lady." You'd be like, "This is very cool. Thank you for noticing me as a human." Right? You know, and and, and like you look well, you look at some of the other, uh, you look at some of the other like womanizer characters in other media, and they go out of their way to be like, yes. "Hey, like, look well, at me. I'm available. I want to, you know." All of that and the spirit never really does that he just like like jen was pointing out he he accepts the advances he never he responds he yeah responds. he doesn't really make he those advances of the, exactly on his own. exactly well and he even brings that up that he's like you said an appreciator of women yes which that's that fits very well into the reputation from the comics mm -hmm. because as we saw in the comic that we had there is a whole line of femme fatales in the spirit graphic novel like going from being villains all the way to trying to seduce him to be a villain with them to you know like everything in between to like like uh sans serif who's the childhood friend that he wants to bring back from that line you know uh it's just really really well done and i think even though this is a 1940s comic and a 2008 movie i think a lot more directors and writers could pay attention to this to it's see how to do a respectful like i would love this type of thing to be in the Gambit movie since his secondary mutation is that he's charming if you don't know that he has the mutation mm -hmm. like this would be the appropriate way I acknowledge because I'm used to it mm -hmm. because this is how women react to me I'm not going to take advantage of it right and precisely, this is the direction that producers and directors need to take. Because even in the scene where he recognizes he has this power and he uses it to save himself with Plaster of Paris, mm -hmm. he doesn't... Well, like, and, I mean, they, he, they even point out that he has a history with her. He, right, yeah. He, he doesn't... He, I mean, he gets... He skirts the line, you know, mm -hmm. of of not doing things on the up and up on the up and up but you know he does say to her sorry right you know it's not going to work out right and then she kicks his ass yeah but yeah well, I mean, well she stabs his ass but yeah well also true <laughs> yeah. but like and i mean and it, it even comes up with like the fact that he flirts with death in both mm -hmm. senses of the word mm -hmm. right right who yep. in the in the comic actually that was a brilliant transition because in the movie they make Lorelai to be death in the comic she actually was a siren who was you know the the creature that brings sailors to their death so great interpretation always having her in the water like mm -hmm. awesome way of putting that, that forward yeah. yeah 
Yeah, very, very cool. And, and I mean, they, you know. And they say that only sailors and cops can hear that line from the, right. one of the cops yes. in the beginning. Yep. Right, right. And, and the, that's kind of those two also, professions that are always kind of on the, like, one wrong step. Brit- yeah, and it takes them to death. about, like, most of the cop shows, cop movies, cop dramas are usually taking place in either LA, Chicago, Boston. or New York, Boston, all places that are right beside right gigantic bodies of water. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh well and and, and uh, I like that they that they put this like this is Central City USA. It's really kind of pulling in that same kind of uh tradition as like DC uses of we're gonna call it this descriptive city name name that but it's clearly a stand-in for this real world city like you know jen pointed out this looks like chicago it feels like chicago and right. it being named central city well chicago is the the most central metropolis that we have right right I mean, the largest central metropolis yeah for sure so mark after reading this uh i gotta ask will you continue if you run if you're in half price books or you're somewhere and you see a different spirit comic are you gonna pick it up yeah definitely it's it's really got this kind of I mean it's definitely that no, noir genre but it also has a bit more lightheartedness than some of the the similar similar things like Dick Tracy which or or some of the more modern things like uh, The Walking Dead that See, I got kind of, I got inspiration of Harry Dresden from it really honestly yeah yeah I, yeah, mean, you, I got a lot of elements of like the spirit I mean the spirit walks a little bit more of that like ambiguous line um, but Harry Dresden has as the trying to do the right thing, which I, I don't think is as pulled out in the spirit in either the comic or the movie, but he is, if you're looking at it, and that's the reason he turns down Plaster Paris, and that's the reason he's doing the things I, that he's doing. I, I see the weird the weird thing is like the, the feeling I got from the spirit isn't necessarily that he's trying to do the right thing, he's trying to stop the wrong things from being done. And it seems like a it seems like a semantic issue, but it's it really kind of gives you a different feel of being a a savior or a or a crime stopper. Right. Uh, he's being he's being reactive, not proactive right of he goes yes he's going after the octopus yes he's going after you know whatever villain who has whatever MacGuffin that's going to to destroy or take over the city or the world or whatever but everything he's doing it it isn't it isn't necessary like the primary motivation isn't to save people it's to stop the bad guy for him it's very much personal a, a personal battle of I'm stopping you yes it's the right thing to do and and that's probably why but I'm stopping the bad thing from being done as opposed to elevating the right thing no that's fair i can see that yeah so bear uh walking through someplace there happens to be a spirit comic you gonna pick it up um that depends if it's if it's original run i might pick it up and thumb through it just to be like have i read any of this stuff you know and maybe maybe stare at it and tell whatever shopkeeper tries to tell me that you know listen i gotta i gotta buy it i can't just sit there and read it it's not a library right it's not a library um if it was something new i would probably you know if it was a new author that had picked it up and decided to do something with it i might grab one just to see what was going on but i think in general like as far as the older comic goes i've got enough of a handle on it i probably you know probably wouldn't like just grab you know the older the older stuff stuff uh off the shelf and, and add it to the collection but um if it's a new author i mean if there's a new movie if they decided to do something else video wise i would definitely be all over it Jen, you're walking through someplace you see a spirit comic that you don't think it's, it's not the one that you read for this mm-hmm. are you interested in picking it up um, I think I'm 
probably with Fair. I think that I would like to see, I think I'd like to see other media. I don't know that I would want to read anymore. I think I've got a pretty good handle on what the genre yeah, was. Yeah, the original room the, stuff. the original intent. Um, I would like to see, you know, if they did a TV show or... They did, uh, Or actually. a radio drama. There or... was a spirit TV show, really? actually. Oh, well yeah. then maybe we should watch that. But the movie, and, and Bear, whenever you tell me that there's a movie that I should see, like, I, I don't know that you actually said, maybe you did when we were talking about doing this for the show, you were like, you guys really need to see this movie. Yeah. I believe you. <laughs> you trust me now? Yeah, it was a made- I never did before. But- <laughs> <laughs> it was a made-for-TV movie in 1987. Five seasons later, she finally trusts me. <laughs> I think that should say something about your general level of trustworthiness. <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> As for me, I think I'm in the same boat. Uh, if there was newer stuff, I would I would pick it up just to see what they're doing with it. Uh, DC Comics actually owns the spirit now. Um, I know so- it got published by Dark Horse for a while, too. Right. Um, but I, I will put a cap in there if there was like uh an omnibus um that i could pick up uh and use like a coffee table book or something like that i mean if i had a coffee table. i was just gonna say you have to have a coffee table yeah. right but you know in a, in a different larger house like that would be kind of cool to have something like this as opposed to a dick tracy um yeah i'm not I, like like i said i grew up with dick tracy and it's fine i'm not slagging on dick tracy it's right. it's it, it's good for what it is which is not my cup of tea right spirit however really resonates with me. Right. So that might be something cool, like if you had a coffee table in the middle of your living room. Well, or, you know, a display table, like the Right. One to we just have, have it there and every <laughs> once in a while be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you yeah. know, it comes up, it's an easel, a display table that we never use. That right. We just never use it. So, and, and um, I'm, I'm with Jen on this. Like, like the, the spirit definitely resonates more with me than like Dick Tracy. And I think part of that is also, I mean, part of it's the, the general tone is a little bit different. It's also the supernatural elements. The spirit is not afraid to get weird well i mean yeah dick tracy never and went... yeah hit the nail on the head yeah dick tracy never went full supernatural like weird things yeah. happen to people and they are for some reason weird but yeah. it's not supernatural i guess i always kind of felt like dick tracy was america's answer to james bond yeah but not yeah. even but not even that not even that cool yeah i mean dick tracy was it was he was supposed yeah. I think he was supposed to be more relatable because and I'm not I'm this is just yeah. me speculating of course but it, it feels like he was designed to be more relatable because he was just a private eye as opposed to you know super spy yeah but and, I also, and he he well, definitely he dealt cop. with like sorry go ahead John oh no I was just saying he was a cop he wasn't a, he oh I thought he was actually by the way anyway. he didn't oh. say Josh oh, okay go ahead John mm. <laughs> um but I I feel like if there was anything weird and really they don't remember there being that much weird in the Dick Tracy serial comic. It was I, like, oh yeah. And, and anything that was out of the norm was obviously a very sick individual. You know, it was. Not- I mean, Dick Tracy had some of the like caricatures, like they had like the yeah. the flat top hammerhead, you know, the, right. you know, weird descriptive names that that then got played into how the character was designed and drawn. Yeah. But they were evocative nicknames, not like supernatural powers. Right. Right. It's not like Lorelai, who is literally a siren. Yes. Or. Yeah. 
Dick Tracy was more like it was just making nicknames because of their, you know, unfortunate appearance. Right. Blue labelists, but okay. Yeah. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us uh, today and, uh, you know, taking taking your time to, to come on here and talk to us about the spirit. Hope you had a good time. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Well, everyone, uh, as we are going back and forth uh, on our on our episodes between Rep Conversations and Graphically Novel, please tune in next week to the Rep Conversations episode that will be Bear and Luke doing World War Hulk. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm looking in, forward to that one personally. And then in two weeks, uh, we will be back with Lucas Green and we will be talking Old Boy, right? Which we recorded before this. But it's in order. So until then, take it away, Vandello. Come with me, I'll tell a story that you might have heard before. Graphically novel, but the same old trouble at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the same come at me and i'll show you something you ain't never seen before We all just get along, my mask is no different than yours Pretty pictures on the screen But nothing's ever as it seems See?